0: today we are so so excited to have you you. jimmy and i have some questions for you but i'm like the questions gotta wait because (laughs) (laughs) you pointed something out because right now we're actually filming this from the marcy community center Mm -hmm. and so this is totally a full circle moment totally (laughs) so if you know anything about any of us sitting right here is that we love us a good full circle moment Tanya, why don't you tell us your first interaction at this center?
1: Yeah, so my first interaction was actually um, teaching my first workshop for the Bitcoin Academy. Academy here. And it's funny because I remember when Andre reached out about the Bitcoin Academy, um, me and my team were like, what's this, Like, who's behind this? is this legitimate? Now she saw budget? Marcy, and was like, nah. No, I saw Bitcoin and was like, uh, <laughs> Because, you know, in crypto, like there's legitimate, there's people who operate legitimately and then there's just like people who just riding the wave and scamming. And so I was like, "Mm, what side is this on? And then started following up and everything and um, came and just fell in love with the residents here. I, you know, probably get into my career, but I started out teaching in communities in Brooklyn. So this was a full circle moment for me, having been a financial educator for eight years and coming back to Brooklyn go, I've actually been a financial educator for 10 years, Mm full-time for eight years, and coming back to Brooklyn and teaching here at the community center. And then they brought me on for the rest of the summer. And look at that. And now you can't leave us. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I'm like, Andre, so what's the word? What's going on next year?
0: And Andre's actually the program manager at the Bitcoin Academy, and you'll see him
1: soon. One of my favorite humans. Just a a beautiful human.
0: Yes, a loved one, right? Um, So you mentioned your journey as a financial educator. Why don't we keep going with that? And... Um, talk to us about where you were 10 years ago and like what was the catalyst for you to jump in and and create what what you do today
1: yeah um I feel like I had used being bad with math as an excuse not to own my financial journey mm-hmm. and when I was working in Brooklyn I worked at the YWC of Brooklyn working with low-income women and these were women who had like these amazing backgrounds like one was an attorney one was an actress on Broadway mm-hmm. one was a previous medical doctor and they were all living in what we call a SRO which is basically like mm-hmm. adult style dorms and I was like wow like life happens fast and mm-hmm. if you don't take the financial preparations necessary um and really own your financial journey like you could you could end up here yeah and so um that's when I was like we just can't use not being good with math as an excuse anymore. you got to figure this out. Other people have figured it out. And that's really become one of my mantras now is like when I approach anything, it's like somebody else figured it out. You can figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I'm learning options trading. You can figure it out. Um, when I became a mother, yes. I remember it's like they sent me home with my son. I was yeah. like, "So y'all didn't me this human? You forever picking her." That. Like, <laughs> and then I thought about my—I cu- had cousins who had babies at like fourteen. I'm like, if they figured it out, yeah. your thirty-plus-year-old right. self can figure this out. And like, that's just one of my things. I just looked like somebody else figured it out. You can too. Yeah. And that's how I felt about money, and that's how I still feel about money as an educator, helping other people with their finances. I like, look, you can figure this out. You can do this. You can make money work in your favor. So that was
2: my journey.
0: I love that. Um, now, Jimmy, you and I were both students at uh, the Bitcoin Academy.
2: Yep, yep. I mean, I guess my question for you is, like, how did you even get into this stuff? Like, mm-hmm. where did, like did you always see yourself as a financial educator? What was your dream when you were younger? Yeah, absolutely not.
1: Up? Absolutely not. No, my <laughs> dream as a child was freedom, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. honestly. And freedom in the way I made money. And that was because my mother and father were both career military And, you know, waking up and seeing your parents every day not have agency and how they make money. And it's like the government could be like, yeah, you need to go away for a year. We don't care if you have two two daughters. You got to go away for a year. And that's what happened with my mom. And so I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to have agency. Um, And I knew entrepreneurship was something I was interested in. I just had no idea how I was going to do it. I've had so many. (laughs) There are so many business ideas and concepts (laughs) in the graveyard Um, because I was just trying to figure it out. And I got to this work because I brought a financial literacy workshop to my residence and then um, I started blogging. And once I started blogging, I went to a conference. And there was a woman, I went to a financial bloggers conference. There was a woman sitting on the panel and she was talking about how she had made $35,000 that month from her blog. And I was like, from her blog, you heard that Jimmy? (laughs) I was like, the hell?
2: Take notes y'all, take notes. I was like, I'm
1: not even making $35,000 a year barely. And she made my salary in a month. And I was like, oh, we're going to figure this blogging thing out. (laughs) Nope. and so that's when I was like okay I want to pair my desire to create change I've always wanted to be a change agent my undergrad degree is public administration my master's is public policy so I've always worked in communities and wanted to work in communities but then I adopted a mantra like just because you do well doesn't mean that you have to be broke doing it mm. like no nonprofit doesn't mean no profit and so I was like I'm gonna figure out how to impact and change lives and make a good life like make a good life for myself doing it Mm. and so it started I believe everything begins with intention that was my intention create change but also like live life how i desire to
2: i love that what was that jump like because i know like being an entrepreneur is scary right it's like when you're an employee you know you're gonna get that two-week check Mm -hmm. like it's comfortable but when you're an entrepreneur you know like you gotta you gotta do it yourself you gotta take that initiative
1: it's persistently scary Mm. it is persistently scary like um, me and my friends talk about like, no matter where you are, there's always a fear as an entrepreneur. You first, when you first take that leap, there's a mm-hmm. fear that, am I going to be able to do this and sustain myself financially? And then there becomes a fear like, once you reach a certain money milestones, it's like, can I do this again? How can I do this yeah. again? What happens if that was the best year ever? Mm-hmm. Like, what happens if I can't do this? And like, you know, like, what if I gotta go back and get the job? Like, oh my right. gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that there's always fear. It's just, you just move through the fear and you have better tools and you become better at believing in yourself. Uh, so like I said, like looking for the evidence early on, it was like looking for the evidence of everybody who's done it before, surrounding myself with positive influences. When it came to entrepreneurship, doing a lot of informational interviews with people who were entrepreneurs, finding out like yeah. what their first years were, some of the best advice I got from somebody, was like just the first couple years just throwing stuff on the wall and see what sticks. So you just try it all out. <laughs> just, try, just try a bunch of things out, you know, but, and figure out what sticks. What make where that that sweet spot is between what you enjoy doing mm-hmm. and what other people want from you, and that's when you're like okay I found that avenue okay now this this is this is the mold. So at man absolutely it's every day every day and I'm I think that entrepreneurship has been one of the biggest social experiments I've ever done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a social experiment. (laughs) Because you learn about people, um, and you learn about yourself. But it also has been one of the biggest catalysts for my own personal development, because you really have to be prepared Mm -hmm. to meet the call and the challenges mentally and Mm -hmm. emotionally
2: that come with being an entrepreneur. I think the biggest thing you mentioned was starting. I remember even when me and Mariella wanted to start this Marcy Money podcast, we have had this in our
0: head for like a year. Yeah, but y'all, I, are right.
1: yeah. y'all are doing great.
2: Y'all are doing great. Like I, I especially me, I had like analysis paralysis. I'm like, what about this? What about this? What about this? Like. Thinking about all the things that like could go wrong and like, mm-hmm. how to answer that. In reality, all we have to do is just start. Just, and, yeah. And, and just start. And you get else.
0: tripped up with the details too. Yeah. I remember like just the logo took us like three months, and it's like, why did it take us three months? <laughs> Not the to, logo. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Just like little things, and I think that's something that we've definitely learned. Like that sometimes, like good enough or like well enough is is okay. And start where you, know? you are.
1: Like one of the things is start where you are because what you have is plenty. And mm-hmm. so like, agonizing over a logo, let me tell you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a good logo though. It's a good logo. Yeah, yeah, the
1: logo can change. Like yeah. now I'm at the point where I'm like, we gonna I spend so little time on a logo now. Yeah. Like I just launched um, <laughs> my own so one of the directions that we're moving like my, my personal brand into is Grace in the Gap, which is having grace for yourself in that chaotic space between that. who you were and who you're becoming. Is this
0: an exclusive? No, it's, Sorry, in the gap. Oh, okay. it's already <laughs> up. It's already up. It's already
1: up. Grace in the Gap. We are a couple blog posts in. Um, it's a Substack. Grace in the Gap. Dot. Um, dot um, plug. <laughs> but it. Um, when we. When I did that logo for it, it literally was like I did a contest on 99designs. 99 99designs 99 is this platform where you mm-hmm. can you pay like four hundred dollars and people do a logo contest to oh, that's like dope. This, uh, People from all over the world submit, submit. their yeah submit so their cool. prototype for a logo and you choose from it. Man, I had that logo in like 72 hours. <laughs> it, it, you just get to the point, I think, in your journey you're like, this will do. Yeah, but it I think really. with MyFet Finance, when I look back at the beginning, the first logo from MyFatFinance, that thing was, what was I ain't going to call it ugly. Was it like just like font? It, it was font. And, it, was it, like and like, we've always kind of had a word mark, um, but, you know, it's not what it is today. And more, less than the logo, it was the website. Like, the website was a Squarespace, a WordPress website that I built myself. Oh, I
0: remember WordPress. Oh,
1: that thing was ugly. <laughs> but it got me started. It got me started. And I think that, that is what I've learned is, yes, public perception is very important. But even more important is just starting and starting to build that momentum and then building from there. I love that. So Tanya, you're such a great teacher at the academy, by the way. Thank you. And I love it. I do want to say
0: she broke attendance records. Hey! Okay. Because <laughs> Tanya's class literally had, I think, um, like the biggest attendance like ever in the academy. So I know that you, for a fact, like we're, were Going breaking records today. <laughs> so I'm wondering, like, because you taught a class here in April, mm-hmm. and then you started doing the academy. And I'm wondering, like, what has that collaboration felt like for you? Like, did you have an idea? Like, as an entrepreneur, I know you're probably, like, shooting your shot all the time, Mm -hmm. but I think professionally. But I'm wondering, like, did you have an idea that it could turn into that? Or was this collaboration something that, like, you didn't see coming and you're like, I'm going to take it? And Mm -hmm. what would you tell entrepreneurs about opportunities when it comes to that?
1: Wow, wow, yeah. Thank you. And, I, I, you know, I think one of the things I genuinely love teaching, I genuinely love connecting with people. And I think that my financial journey has allowed me to experience so many corners, like so many corners from having my car repossessed, to having my wages garnished, to working to build my own credit score myself, cause I couldn't afford to, um, to getting a divorce and like, just the financial instability that that creates. Um, so, and I just feel like I've been in so many places that people mm-hmm. are in their lives. Like all, I've been on food stamps myself, mm-hmm. um, so i feel like that makes me more relatable and understanding of what people yeah. are moving through i've been there yeah i'm not yeah. financially perfect um so with with that said i think that this opportunity i almost didn't respond to andre's email really yes because i was like is this a scam well like, right because you were mentioning the bitcoin thing you were like nah. yeah i was like and my assistant, i was like girl take that call with him and see what he's talking about yeah. and then she's like no it seems legit like did her research and everything i was like oh, okay let's do Oh, mind you, she said she got assistance. Okay. Oh, my my virtuals, yeah, my she's my executive assistant. She's virtual, but um, I was like, Danny, looking at this and see what see what they're talking about. And uh, just like after the first time coming here, and then Mia and Andre, the program manager, hit it off. He's just yeah. such a he's he's just such a compassionate soul. Like he's amazing. And so he was like, you know, would you be interested in coming back in the summer? I was like, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, because as much as I may impact their lives, they impact me too. One thing I lead by is never forget why you started. And each interaction reminds me like this is why I started doing this work. Mm -hmm. This, it it grounds me in the work. And so um, I'm just, I just feel like God was just like, here, you need this at this point. Just the way they need you, you need this at this point in your journey too. So it's been a, it's been very Yay. affirming, um, and that's the thing about alignment. Yes, you know, when you move along your path how you're supposed to, you get what you need. Absolutely. So I'm just glad I, I literally answered the email. Yeah. I'm glad I answered <laughs> the call because I I probably would have been like, oh, that looks like a dope program. I wonder how they got involved. Right. I was like, girl, you ain't answered your email. That's what right. Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> but um, during the academy, uh, where I heard, you know, this might be an exclusive, but I heard we're all going to get copies of uh, your book, mm-hmm. Money Manual. Um, Can you talk to us about that? Because I feel like there's some alignment in there because, you know, we're Marcy Money. You have the money manual, you know. (laughs) Can you talk to us a little bit about your book and what it represents for you and, you know, what you want folks to get from it?
1: Absolutely. So I wrote that book um, five years into my journey. And I felt like I had a good understanding of like what the basics were that people needed on their financial journey. So the book is The Money Manual, um, a, guide, a guide to support you along your financial journey. Like don't, the tagline might have a little variation. It's been a, it's been, it's been a while since I wrote that book. Um, but yes, yeah, it's been almost five years since I wrote that book. Um, and I wanted it to be something like, I believe in leaving artifacts, like proof that we were here. Um, that's one of my artifacts I feel like podcast episodes, YouTube videos, all that stuff is artifacts as well. Um, but it's like something that I wanted to give to people who might not be able to attend one of my workshops, mm-hmm. might not be able to afford one of my classes. Um and then from a business perspective, writing a book is good as well because right. you can and this it's an is income just, stream, right? This is just a little tidbit in there. Yes, it's an income stream. But it also is supplemental. Like if you're a speaker, mm-hmm. um, they can supplement. Sometimes people won't have speaker fees, but they'll have equipment fees or they'll have supply fees or a supply budget. So they'll mm-hmm. have budgets to buy a book. And so, like when I go to speak at colleges and universities, we can run up my speaker rate because they might say, well, we'll purchase X, Y, Z amount of books from you. Oh, so it was also sense. a business move, too. You know, the way they bought books for the graduation mm-hmm. and everything. I gave them a discount, though.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh. But
1: they, they bought books for the graduation. <laughs> And I'm just happy that, like, a piece of me is in people's homes. Yes. Some people have tagged me. They'll see found the book in, like, bookstores and stuff yeah. like that. Or somebody was um, giving it to them. Um, so, yeah, I, I wrote that book while I was pregnant. Wow. Was wild. You were
0: productive like... while you were pregnant. <laughs>
1: no, I wasn't. Um, That's um, why I girl, say that. Girl, I barely was. <laughs> so... uh, I, I, I finished that book, editing and everything, um, like, during my first trimester. and went mm-hmm. on a book during my second trimester.
0: So that book is
1: very special to me because I literally birthed it while I was preparing to give birth to my son.
0: That's amazing. And we have to talk about your toddler because I'm a mom too, and I've been learning my own financial journey while trying to set up my daughter so she doesn't have to go (laughs) through what I went through. Yeah. What are some things that you can tell parents? I know we always have that goal of, like, our kids and our future, but sometimes we get busy, like, trying to survive instead. Mm -hmm. What are some, like, very simple things that anyone who has a toddler, a teenager, who has, like, their niece or their nephew or just, like, this kid in their life that they love so much and and want to put them on that path to financial freedom, Mm -hmm. what are some uh, things that you can tell them that they can do that are just easy, like, well, maybe not... Necessarily too easy, but, but you can get
1: started. I mean, I, the first thing is like you know, as soon as you get that social security number, open up a five twenty nine plan for them. Okay, one of, that's one of the first things I did. Like when my son, I was like, okay, we open a five twenty nine plan. So it would be for his birthday, we send out the link. Um, it's included in his invitation and in every his digital invitation. If you aren't able to attend or you, what well, we ask that you not send gifts, but instead contribute to his five twenty nine, his Love college, um, his, his his college fund. So like you could do that. Sometimes you might not have the money, but other people have the money to support mm-hmm. your child. Um, with my father, actually, um, his grandfather, I was like, if you want to contribute, you know, you didn't pay for my college, but you can contribute <laughs> something to your grandson's college. Right, right. And my father makes a fifty percent, a fifty dollar contribution every month. It's five twenty nine plan, and it that's adds beautiful. up over time. Absolutely. Um, because and fifty a
0: month, you said fifty dollars a month. So just with your dad, that's fifty a month for a year, mm-hmm. and then your son is how old right now? He is four. So he's. Uh, at least 14-15 years away. Yeah, it's
1: like six hundred dollars a year. Right? So six
0: hundred dollars a year for the next fourteen years, add a little compound interest to that. Yeah, that's just from the grandfather. That's just from his
1: grandfather, and then everything else. And then me, I make a contribution every month. So I make a contribution like a hundred dollars every month. Um, so that is another twelve hundred. So he has a sixteen the twelve hundred for me. 600 from his grandpa and then birthday money right and so like it, it he i looked at him, i was like i'm really proud okay i'm really proud because at four years old like he can cover he can at least cover one year of college based on the amount of money he That's has in his account. at four he has one year of college covered and if he doesn't want to go to college listen we'll pull it out as a down payment on the home yeah like at four he has a down payment for a house maybe not in atlanta <laughs> but
0: definitely not in new york <laughs> no definitely not in new york
1: but my baby can buy something somewhere at four based yeah. on the money he currently has yeah. and it's 529 and you know there's gonna be penalties or whatever but we'll take them yeah like we'll take them There's still is money to yeah. gaining interest so Absolutely. um that is one thing uh i would say another thing is like really being mindful that your children are always watching you what you think about money how you relate to money and what you do for money. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm very mindful of that. If we're in the store and he asks for something. I'm not like mommy can't afford it. I'll say Kara. So I'm going to give you a choice mm. and we're going to decide, do you want this or that? Because while we can afford to do this, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. And we're going to make the best choice based I on what, what you desire right now. So you know, one time I ran this I don't call it ran a play because I, <laughs> I I did play my child. Cause we were in old navy and I was about to buy him like this $40 sweatsuit. Mm-hmm. And he comes up with a Kit Kat and was like, Mommy, I want the Kit Kat instead. And I was like, You don't want the sweatsuit? He's like, No, I want the Kit Kat. Man, put that sweatsuit back and give him that Kit Kat. Forty dollars. Like three dollars. The man was like, This is an expensive Kit Kat. I was like, it ain't $40. Right. Like, and I gave him a choice. <laughs> I gave him agency to make his own decision. I love that. Um, but I, I often have those conversations with him, even though he's for just about choice, just walking him through why we're not making a certain decision. Um, cause you know, kids are relentless. Absolutely. They don't care. You will buy them uh, ice cream. You yes. will take them on a fun day. They won't eat it. Then they'll want chips. Yes. And you'll walk in somewhere else to act like it never happened. My son loves it. I want somebody. a balloon.
0: Yes. Just kidding. I want that balloon. Or they have a
1: balloon in their hand and now they want something else. Like kids are thankless <laughs> and they are relentless. And so, um, I'm always just trying to communicate with Karis the important of importance of choice. Mm -hmm. and understanding like you know we're not doing this because you purchased this today so we're not going to purchase both of those today Mm -hmm. you can eventually have it but not today so that just how you talk to them is really important as well Mm -hmm. one last thing an app i love is called stockpile stockpile allows you to buy complete shares or portions of shares Mm -hmm. as well as open custodial accounts so uh, i have a custodial account for karis on stockpile and like every I, like, once a month, I, like, buy, um, buy, I, I, and I literally put, like, $150 in there and buy, like, a share, but nice. over the course of his life, now he owns several shares of Amazon, now he owns sh- several shares of Tesla, he owns several shares of Google, he has, he has, um, shares of Block, Shopify, like, yes. he has all these things in his portfolio, I'm, like, you don't know how lucky you are, right? <laughs> like you really have these assets at this age and stockpile is one where you can literally buy portions and it's like layaway almost. You can buy portions until you work your way up until a full portion or share of that stop.
0: That's amazing. So thank you for giving us those three gems for parents.
2: So I know there's a lot of fear and shame when it comes to financial trauma. Mm-hmm. So what is the common thing that people in the BIPOC community kind of talk to you about when adjusting that?
1: Mm, I would think. I, yeah, there's there's fear and shame. And I think like initially it's just breaking that wall and comfort and ownership of past decisions um, And just like being like airing out their dirty, their dirty financial laundry I did this or I did that a lot of stuff that I actually work with in the BIPOC community though It's like distrust of financial institutions. I'm mm. um, breaking down what happened I mean that happened in a workshop in here and we we're talking about banks and women was saying the bank scammed her and everything else and she didn't trust banks and I was like, you know what? Let's talk about this after the class. And we talked about it. And it wasn't the bank that scammed her. Her daughter did something that was trifling when it came to the bank. And it's like yeah. that wasn't them. That was you. Yeah. That was her. You uh, know. um So I think that it is sometimes getting uh, we we. That's not to say that some of these banks aren't villains, right? Yeah. Like that is not to say <laughs> yeah. that they are innocent. But sometimes it is really looking at a situation from a space of logic instead of emotion. Mm-hmm. And I find that's what I do with a lot because, you know, systemically we have been disenfranchised by financial institutions, by government institutions, and there's a lot of pain and trauma that accompanies that that is mixed into our money story. So sometimes it is helping people separate themselves from that and take realize that they are powerful, so helping them reclaim their power. And then moving in that power in a way that serves them going forward. Mm. So I feel like that's a lot of the work that I do.
2: I mean, but that emotional aspect is big, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of our decisions. When you talk to people in sales, they say everybody's decision is based off emotion. Mm -hmm. So what are some ways people can like overcome that? Like just that emotional aspect.
1: Yeah. Look at the facts. Like the numbers, there's, there's emotion and there's numbers. Like, right. Numbers don't lie. Numbers, numbers numbers do not lie. Let's look at the facts. Uh, so that is, like, one of the things I do in one of my workshops is um, state the positive facts, like, about our culture and money and our buying power and everything. Because we're always hearing these statistics, black wealth or wealth in the black minority communities is going to be zero by so-and-so-and-so and how far we are behind our, our, um, our non-black or non-POC counterparts. And it's like, wait a minute. Like what good is going on? And a lot of, it, sometimes it's a reframing for me. It's like, let's reframe what we have done well and let's focus on that. And let's build from a space of that and understanding like everything else is not all bad. Yeah. Like we are, first of yeah. all, we are survivors. We are crafty. Absolutely. We are resilient. And that is something that is very important in the face of financial trauma or any any trauma that we might've endured in our, in our lives. So like, let's pull from that. Let's go um, from your shrimps.
2: That's dope. That's dope.
1: You're gonna do a what? You're going to the Book of Hove. <gasps>
0: oh my god, I went last week. Oh, it's amazing. Oh. Oh, I'm
1: really looking forward. Oh,
0: wait. Do you still have a, a New York address? I can't get a library card. Oh, I was gonna tell you about the thing. Yeah, because oh, there's one literally one around the corner from here. What? There's um the Marcy library up here, and you have but you have to they have the reasonable address. doubt, um, but you have to have a
1: I'm oh, about to Google it for you. Yeah, I'm gonna say y'all know somebody who don't what want their, do their you library card. <laughs> you got eight siblings eight. I mean, like if you got somebody who don't want their library card, I would gladly.
0: In Brooklyn, free for anyone who lives uh, or goes to school in New York State. I'm sorry. Yeah. That tells you you don't have your out of here. <laughs> <still>. Not anymore. <laughs> Not
1: anymore.
0: Yeah. So the library in Marcy, um, Absolutely. around the corner, they have the Reasonable Doubt album library card. And then the library on division they have the 444 album Damn. yeah <laughs> it's like a game it's like a scavenger hunt right. how many Damn libraries it. can you get to yeah
1: <laughs> no i ain't had a book on the address in years i mean i could come back and be like here's my lease right here
0: right. <laughs> something like Would that you, they right? send it to your house no they give it to you right there you got to fill out the the, the
1: application but how do you how do they know that you don't have a Brooklyn you,
0: well usually you have to give them like a proof of address. Oh like, okay. like a
1: utility bill or something mm-hmm. like that. Yes.
0: So Tanya, you mentioned well, you didn't tell me this, but I did some soft stalking on like your Instagram. Soft stalking. soft stalking. On your Instagram bio and it said that you were an art collector. Can you tell us like what type of art? Like how'd you get into that? Yeah.
1: Well I'm a new collector. I mm-hmm. am a new collector. Um, I'm still exploring what my... I don't think I have a thing when it comes mm-hmm. to art. Well, yeah. Um, no, I don't think I have a thing particularly. I'm still exploring... Like paintings,
0: sculptures?
1: I or... don't have any sculptures in my collection yet. That is something I would like to acquire within the next year. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't have any sculptures. Right now, it's more so paintings. Um, I am collecting some prints from some artists. So I'm like, you know what? I can't afford one you your actual... Um, original mm-hmm. works right now, so I will get a print nice. just because I appreciate the actual art. Yeah. But that's one of my goals is to become a major art collector in the next, um, the next like three to five years. It's like mm. just become respected for my collection. Uh, my strategy right now is emerging artists because it's within, it's within my budget, mm-hmm. and I really also enjoy the ability to grow with artists. Like one of my artists, I collected from last year just watching him grow. He recently opened up his own space. His work is acquired by some museums here and abroad. And I just I really enjoy growing with them and supporting them early on yeah. because I also think it it like it invigorates them. Like wow like she believed in me. Like yeah, I have day. people who support my work from this space. And I really love that um that opportunity to get on the ground floor.
0: I love that. Jimmy, you have
1: any art so far? You collect anything?
2: Nah, nah. I definitely got to get into that. Any NFTs?
1: Any? I, I actually, I have a few NFTs. I, I have, what, four NFTs in my portfolio. Like, I'm not as hands-on with those. Yeah. I need to look and see what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I don't, but I'm, I'm I, yeah, I have a few NFTs. I think NFTs still, and that's the thing, as a financial educator, right? Yeah. There are still things that can, um, like, that you don't have full comprehension on. Yeah. Um, and so my NFTs, like, I Got them, yeah. So I'm, kinda, like, like, I'm,
0: I'm gonna wait and see what happens with these things, yeah. And I know, like,
1: you can use like, you can have a elect- you can there's different ways to display it in your house and everything mm-hmm. else. And I probably should connect my wallet to one of those. Um, but right now, I'm definitely more into tangible nice. artwork and collecting that
0: A little yeah. renaissance vibe for you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> is there like a piece that you have in your mind, like, if money wasn't, um you know, an object to obtaining an art piece, which one would you want? (laughs) Oh, there's
1: so many. Um, And money wasn't an object. Bisa Butler, I love Bisa Butler's artwork. Um, She's based here. She's based out of Brooklyn. I remember meeting her at Art Basel and I was talking to her husband and he was like, well, there's a wait list for her work and it starts at $80,000. And I was like... (laughs)
0: Oh. <laughs> okay. I you know be- what? I think you should manifest it and go on the wait list.
1: Yeah. And just, yeah. And see if by that time. Yeah. I'll be up. Yeah. So I, I would say Bisa Butler um, is one that I want to collect. Um, I would say, oh, there are oh like, so, so many artists are swirling in mm-hmm. my head right now. Like, in my house, what, what would I want? I thought
0: you were going to say, like, a Basquiat or something. You
1: know what? I'm not really on the Basquiat train like a lot of people are. Oh. I'm not. I'm not on the Basquiat train um, as much as some people are. Um, there is an artist. Gosh, the name escapes me. Um, there's a few but there's a few artists that I'm just absolutely in love with their work. Um, dang. <laughs> dang. I mean, my friend Ferrari Shepard is an amazing Ooh. artist. I don't have any of Ferrari's pieces. He's a blue chip artist, which means his work starts at like 150k. Um, so. For me, and I have a lot of friends who are artists, and while I love the big names and everything, my goal would be able to have like at least one of my friend's pieces in my mm-hmm. collection and have paid them market rate, yeah. like not got a discount for their work. Right. Show up at one of their shows and be like, yeah, this piece is $175.00. Added to the collection, not like what can we work out on the back end. So I think that is one of my goals as an art collector: is to collect from my people, collect from my friends, um, and support their artistry. I love
2: that. I do have one question. You said you was trading options. Who <laughs> did <laughs> <laughs> you, you get, didn't get into, say into that. trading options? <laughs> Who's your teacher? You know, who, who who are you learning from online? And who, mm-hmm. if anybody else wanted to get into trading options, who would you recommend?
1: Yeah, I have a few teachers. Um, one is Kelly OG. She is a young. Girl. I don't think her last name is OG, I think that's shortened, yeah. but she has, um, her thing is cash capital, and so she is a young woman who is like 22 years old, wow. and like made her first million in trading options before she was 21, um, just very gracious and a fantastic teacher, um, so Kelly OG is one of my teachers, um, Foxtail Digital, which is like black girl stocks, um, I read a lot, I listen to a lot of their content. Um, Those would be my primary two right now, Um, but I'm I'm open if you're a good teacher. I'm open I think there's things I can learn right now in my journey. I'm learning how to chart Mm -hmm. so Ryan Lawrence One of our fellow Bitcoin Academy teachers um, me and Ryan have spoken quite a bit about like charting and stuff, and he He's been really helpful with me Understanding just the psychology of trading options and everything so I'm open to good teachers. Yeah. I'm open to good teachers, but I also understand that you gotta have the niche down because everybody has their own philosophies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's Kelly, Foxell Digital,
2: and Ryan. That's dope. That's dope. That's dope. Man, thank you so much for coming on the podcast for us and taking time and giving our people and our audience advice on financial trauma and your whole story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank y'all for having me. Thank you, Tanya. Let's give her a round of applause. Like, come on. This is great. This is great.